Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. Yes, you're very welcome to Wednesday Night Rugby. We have rounded up the heavy hitters for this evening slash this afternoon's edition. Brian O'Driscoll, good afternoon. Good Happy afternoon. New Year to you. And you too. Thanks for joining us. And Keith Wood as well. Joining us from, uh, are you down in, in Clare, Keith? Good evening and Happy um, New Year to you. Down in Magical Killaloo. Uh, we both got the um, the memo about our dress code. No shirts for the pair of us, Rico. We're looking, <laughs> I can't say we're looking similar, but we've uh, round necks are on. No, well, the, the, you've nailed the dress code. It's okay. Let's get straight into it. Mine's us, not Gucci. Sorry, go on. Anyway. <laughs> we've a lot to get through, um, both looking back on some very interesting fixtures over the course of the Christmas period and then some more into provincial games this weekend. We'll get straight stuck into uh, Munster, Leinster, Thomond Park, Brian. Munster's first win over Leinster in a couple of years. So that's a big deal in itself. But that doesn't even begin to tell the tale of this game. So you've had a few days to take it in. What happened to Leinster and their discipline in that first half from a side that's usually so cold and calculating, even in the face of the, the worst and most difficult pressure to handle, and doesn't have in any way a history for this sort of a disciplinary performance over a 40-minute spell? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I think it was brilliant to see the bite back in, in that derby. Um, it had felt as though it had gotten a little bit sterile the last three, four, five years. Everyone's friends, and you know, you forgot, you forget about the rivalry that has built up since the early two thousands, in particular. Um, so to see that back and see, you know, professionals very passionate, you know, that will to win, boiling over. I think that's that's a great aspect to to derby uh, games, and it, and it, and um, we need to see that from a provincial perspective, but also from an Irish perspective. I think they're, they're driving standards and people see that as a negative. I see that as a positive, where these are people that really want to achieve and have that, that burning desire to win. And that's ultimately what's going to serve the green jersey well as, as well. So um, the Leinster in discipline, I think you can look at it a few different ways. Um, penalty count is one thing um, and then the sin bins and, and red cards is another thing. I think they'll be very disappointed with how many penalties they gave away. Um, I think Frank Murphy, for the most part, had a pretty good game. Um, he didn't get everything right, but I think he, he had a solid performance considering you know, the, the cauldron that was Thoman Park that, that day. Um, and I think um, the Leinster uh, indiscretions were punished accordingly. Possibly could have seen a red card for Tyg Furlong. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more. Yeah, we're going but to I go think, through each of the decisions I, I think, in a moment. I think Frank Murphy got nearly all of them right. Mm, probably Conor Murray should have gone to the bin as well. But, but as a 40-minute spell taken in isolation, have you ever seen a more ill-disciplined performance from a Leinster team? Not for a long time. Um, it it, it of them talking about not getting pushed around down there and not getting bullied. And it's almost as if... They, they individually they lost the rag a couple of times. Like they, I think if you look at the Keen Healy, that's a sloppy one. The Fardy, you know, is potentially sloppy mm. as well. I don't think there's, I don't think they're malicious. Um, I think they're badly timed as much as the Murray one is badly timed. So I, I don't think it's it's an intent to go out and maim, but I just think they, they their timing was off, and um, and as a result, they they had to pick up the yellow cards and and the red card that they did pick up. What did you make of it, Keith? Because 
for, there might have been a couple of contentious decisions before Healy, who was the first person to be shown a card of any colour, was sent to the bin. And then you're thinking, well, this is Leinster. They're the European champions. There's so much experience on and off the field. Things will settle down now that they're down to 14 men. And yet, a few minutes later, there's another man in the bin. And then a few minutes later, there's a man sent off. Yeah, I, I didn't think um, uh, halftime couldn't come quickly enough uh, for, for Leinster. They really needed to get in to sit down to kind of chill out for a little while. Um, the psychological phrase is over arousal and um, uh, cue a lot of twittering that often happens. But um, the uh, like I thought Johnny had lost it very, very quickly. And uh, I'd, I'd be interested with uh, I have a couple of things I'd say on Brian, but I, it's sometimes when one guy is like that, the next guy is, the next guy is. It's like almost when you've one bad pass leads to another bad pass, you know, where you've just, you're just out of kilter a little bit. Um, I would say the same for the idea of it being preordained to try and go out and hurt someone. That isn't the case. But I just thought they had no composure. I thought they'd, they'd built themselves up to having a battle or a fight of some sort. And they were emotionally at that level. And couldn't seem to get down from it. I mean, I actually thought Johnny um, should have got a yellow card for um, for his reaction to um, to to the hit from from Witcherly. I just I know you're not allowed to do anything with the head and around the head, you know, the face. So, like pulling off the the headgear, I actually think it could have been. Now, it would have been a big call, I think. And what I wanted to ask you was about Frank. Um, it's a hard call for a guy from there to um, to ref them. Now, we've seen it in the past with Elaine Roland. I would have said I thought he... Uh, I, I think he almost left lost a bit of control because Leinster had lost control. And I think if you had a very senior referee, he might have had a better level of control than him. But I would have stood behind the vast majority of his decisions on the time. I thought it was a bit ugly. And I like having a bit of the bite back in, but I thought some of it went a bit too far. Okay, so... If we were to go through them chronologically, Sexton's reaction, which, again, just a few minutes of the game, I'm aghast at, and it clearly goes to Keith's point, these guys were expecting a scrap yeah. and had got themselves to an emotional pitch that maybe they struggled to step back down from. But would you agree that Sexton should have seen a yellow there? No, I don't. I think on the basis that I, I really like Witcherly's hit, you know, it's borderline. Um, it's, it's a, it's it's a, a, it's a, marker, it's a it? sighter. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, it's, I'm going to be here all day. Johnny's used to getting hit late. You know, he's had a career of it. He takes it aggressively to the line. He encourages it. That's exactly what he did on that occasion. And Witcherly was fun at finishing through and, you know, driving him into the ground. And Johnny took umbrage to this. And the was opposition's his, playmaker in a his, big game at home. He was getting his, his retaliation in early. <laughs> and I tell you who was, who was lucky was Jack Conan. You know, he talk about someone that potentially is the third man in is the danger man um, that referees do not like seeing. Whatever about one-on-one -on -one scraps, third guy, you know, a lot of the time is the one that finds himself in the bin. So I thought if you were going to look at trying to set your stall out early, if I was Frank Murphy, mm. I might have I said to the, to, the, to the two captains that this guy's going into the bin because I'm not going to have that today. Um, Johnny, um, I think he, he did. He antagonised... Um, Frank Murphy a little bit early on. I, I, I can understand to a certain degree um, what he was saying because we'll go through them in, in sequence. That, that was a penalty reversal and rightly so. 
Um, and then the Kean Healy one was the one that he had a real issue with Frank Murphy because he didn't go and look at any of the Munster reactions after Kean Healy had, yeah. had straight armed Conor Murray because Keith Earls was very lucky. He went and picked up Scott Fardy and then looks as though he throws a dig. And in fairness to Frank Murphy, I don't think he gets any help from his TMO. I don't think he goes, listen, I want you to have a look at the extended yeah. clip rather than just in isolation looking at the Key and Healy short arm. So I, you, you can, you've only two, you know, one set of eyes. You can't see everything that's going on. He's got to get help from his assistant referee and he's got to get more uh, um, help from his TMO. I think it was Simon McDowell. So, um, the, yeah, I, I think from a captaincy perspective, you, you look, Johnny is an antagonistic type of person. He always has been, and he's fiery, and that's what makes him deliver time and time again because he gets that out of himself. I don't know if it's always, it always comes across well, and it comes across as, converse, uh, as confrontational rather than conversational. And that's where the likes of a Rory Best comes into his own, where irrespective of how irked he feels, that you never really know how put out he is. Only he's the only one that knows. He deals with it extreme, extremely well. When he's disappointed, he parks it and off he goes. Whereas Johnny has a bit more of a heightened appetite for for conflict, um, and so you know when he's trying to get his point across, particularly with a baying crowd, you know, jeering and getting into Frank Murphy's head. It you know you're um, you're fighting the you know, fighting <coughs> the, the cause at times and. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't, I think that side of his, uh, of, of the captaincy, because you're the guy that's trying to lead from the front, it does filter down to the rest of the team and has a knock-on, sometimes a negative knock-on connotation. Keith, before we get into the other instance, just a question on Johnny Sexton's captaincy. Felipe Contopomi was speaking this week about Johnny's credentials and that you wouldn't want to tame him in any way and this is part of his personality and what makes him the greatest player in the world, certainly over the last 12 months. Are you fearful in any way that somewhere down the line, while we get to a World Cup, Johnny will have so much more experience as being a captain in big games, which will, be, which will stand to him, but maybe Rory Best isn't the captain anymore, maybe O'Mahony's not on the field, maybe it's the last five minutes of a World Cup quarter-final against the Springboks, and Johnny just speaks to the referee maybe in a way that some of these other guys wouldn't. Is there a chance that there may be an incident that costs us? No. I, I think it's possible, and... Um, I would have agreed with Contepone to say he's got the credentials and he's the guy that drives uh, the team, whatever team he's playing. That's in his nature. Um, but I think he'll have learned an awful lot from it, actually. And if he hasn't, well, then that would be the issue. This is, this is a big game, a white-hot game. He hadn't played in Thoman Park for a while. It's a pretty aggressive place to go and play. And I felt he'd already lost his composure. And I, rather than the captaincy part... It's that losing the composure part is the most important part for Johnny. You still want him to have an edge, but you want him to have control on that edge. And I wasn't so certain that he had it. And so even when he was talking to, to the ref, he, he, like the ref was talking to him, he was just shaking his head. He was just wasn't agreeing with him. He wasn't listening to him. And you'd learn early enough as a captain that you see things one way and you really want to get your team side across but it can't have a negative impact on the ref. I don't know if it did the other day. He just didn't come across well within it. But that's... I, I, you have to get the balance as a captain. Of course you do. You can't be the fieriest guy in the field. You have to have... You can be unbelievably fiery, but you need to know what that switch is to turn it down to be cool and calm and collected, which he does as a player all the time. 
and this is just another one. So he didn't have it. He, I, I didn't feel, I just felt for about 15 minutes that the, um, he wasn't fully in control. And that's a tough place to be as a player and a very tough place to be as a captain because he wants to do very well with it. And I just, I just didn't feel, uh, I just thought he was unbelievably out of his comfort zone. Would that be fair, Brian? Yeah, I, I, think, I think a lot was down to the delivery of his message. It just, it, it, it didn't help that the crowd were cheering or, or, or jeering while he was trying to make his point. He had just conceded a penalty. He was the one that had infringed. Um, so when he came back in, you know, on that on that Healy incident, he was one nil down already, mm. and and so he and I, Johnny's the sort of guy that if he feels wronged, he'll carry that with him. And I think he felt wrong that that you know the same didn't the same rules didn't seem to apply on the second on, on the second incident as they did on the first, and that's why you could just see his body language didn't look as positive as it should have been. Um, it just looked too conf- uh, confrontational, um, and as a result, you know he didn't get his point across, and he he it, it became two nil, and and he he had to go back, and it, it just was brewing in him, and I don't think he ever managed to get full control of the relationship with the referee, and it's such an important thing to do early in the game. He's a detail guy, though, Johnny Saxon. He's an honest guy. Probably no one criticises himself as a player than, than Johnny Sexton does. So, as Keith says, he'd probably take an awful lot from this. Uh, undoubtedly so, undoubtedly. And you don't, you, you don't want to curb it that much because that is Johnny Sexton, mm. the player and the person. And, and he will have learned a huge amount. Um, sometimes you have to f- you find yourself on, on the bad side of, a, of a, a defeat and of losing your cool to really understand where you need to go next time it happens or next time you find yourself in that situation. And I'm sure Johnny's a smart guy. He'll, he'll learn very quickly from that and not to allow himself to get antagonised. Um, you were so much younger than Johnny was when you were given the captaincy with Ireland. So did you find there was a learning curve? Uh, yeah, like, I, 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 don't I, was, referees? I, I was fiery too. I, I lost my cool with referees at, at times as well. And I, in a, in a, in a uh, derby match, um, Alan Rowland, I wasn't actually captain, but in the Aviva, um, probably two or three years from, from the end where I, the, the, the decisions weren't going our way, I felt that they were killing the ball and I, and I vented my frustrations. And Leo was captain and I thought I was going to I was going to go to the bin. I was I actually thought he's had enough of me here, and I had to say, all right, I, I accept. I'll, I'll I'll let you referee the game. I'll stay quiet from here on in. But I was one more decision from going to the bin. Right. So I think you you want to channel that as positively as you can, but it, it it doesn't always work out that way. And when yeah, Johnny definitely felt as though he was wronged, and he, he's a, he's a guy that does sometimes carry those things with him. You know, you, he, if he gets, I, I, you know, I remember having an incident with him once, and he t- he reminded me of it three months later, and I was like, "You've been carrying this the whole time," but that's the sort of person he is. That's why his fires burn the way they do. It's not a bad trade in professional rugby, is it, to carry a grudge just for a, no, no, for a no, little it's while? A, it's a it's a it's a, <laughs> it's a it's a healthy thing, and you you can see the. Is there a little grudge, but with with Joey there as well, and you know that reaction on that the scuffle on the on the Mar- on the Murray high tackle where he pulled him out of a ruck. You know, Joey was third man in, and you know it it is this master and apprentice setting down a marker. I don't, I have no problem with that. People were appalled by Johnny's behaviour in that incident. I think there's no harm in letting the 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 incumbent 
know that you know you're not going to be easily displaced. I remember doing it with Robbie Henshaw towards the end of my of my career when he's playing with Connacht, just to test him to see if he had some bottle and if he you know if he um, if he had the nastiness in him. And sure enough, he did. But I was massively impressed by that. And sometimes you just want to test these people out to see whether they have the mental resolve or not. And I think there might have been a bit of that in Johnny's reaction with with Carberry too. Echoes of when Johnny was the apprentice and <clears throat> and O'Gara was the was the master and. He was trying to take his place. It's the, it's the cycle of, of the professional game. The Keen Healy um, uh, tackle, the high tackle, Keith, it was hot on the heels of Scott Fardy's tackle on Clute, which was only a penalty and did uh, lead to punishment for Leinster and that Munster ultimately scored a try off it. But um, is that just a straight yellow card anyway, or was Healy paying the price for the misdemeanours of his teammates prior to that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I, I, it sounds very anti-Leinster for me, which I don't want to play that card. Um, uh, I thought Scott Fardy's was a yellow card, and um, it's funny and and whether there's a kind of run in those. And I think if Scott Fardy had got a yellow card, I actually think Conor Murray would have got a yellow card afterwards. Even though I didn't think they were the same, but I thought they were kind of part of the same. Um, Keen Healy's again. It's I'm glad to see them as a yellow card, not because of Munster, not because of Leinster, but I feel that we've left go a lot of the high tackle dictate that came in before the autumn. I think they softened off in the last two or three weeks, and I'm not a fan of them softening off. And irrespective of whether we think that this is the game is very hard, it's hard enough anyway, that we do need to tidy up some of those because um, if you do have a lot of high hits or high, uh, it becomes part of the game again, I think it'll have a big detrimental effect on the game and the amount of people playing. I do believe that. And I do think it's something that has to be tidied up. Okay. <clears throat> we are live on Facebook, of course, YouTube and Periscope. Get your comments in now. You could also be in the running to be named our Heineken star comment of the week. The best comment wins a signed ball and, of course, some of the off-the-ball branded Heineken goodies. So do get in touch with us here this evening. Um, the two main incidents really were Tyke Furlong and James Lowe. So Furlong, his barge and Clute, he's trying to clean him out of a ruck. Unfortunately, the consequences were significant in that Clute ends up getting carried off in a neck brace and on a stretcher. I fully, for what my opinion on it is not worth a huge amount, but I did expect to see a red. Um, Furlong got a yellow, despite there being no obvious attempt to, to make a wrap. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think lots of referees would have found a reason to make it a red card versus a yellow. Frank flipped it over and... and gave mitigating factors that his head popped out, not knowing where that point of contact was going to be with his head. I thought it was going to be a red initially, um, because we are, for, to, to, kids, to Keith's point, we are trying to outlaw that sort of mm. challenge and that it's a very, very loose challenge. There's no technique involved. He's come straight in. Yes, he's collided with his head, and as a result, he's been stretchered off. Um, but, but at the same time, I know where, what Frank Murphy is thinking. He's already given two yellow cards um, at that point. Um, or certainly, Keane Healy has been... He's given yeah, one. He's given one. Could have, been, could have could given have been, three or four. Yeah, yeah. so he's, he, he wants 15-15, and I understand that too. But lots of referees, lots of referees would have had that as a red card. Red card, Keith? I thought so, yeah. Um, I was interested in the rationale for it not being read. Um, 
and mitigating circumstances, that's where we struggle. There's an element of law around rugby and it makes it very, very difficult. It was almost a shoulder barge element of that. If you if you go back to Thoman Park not too long ago and Danny Cipriani making a tackle with no attempt at wrapping the arm, it was a bang to the chin. I know it's not the same, but he barely, he almost caressed him with his shoulder. Uh, Cipriani did. This was a, a full blast. Um, and people keep talking about intent all the time and, and, and actually also kind of dismissing the idea that there's no intent in on it. His intent was to clear out a guy on the side of the rock um, and he wanted to do it. He didn't do it in the fashion in which um, the, the sport wants it. That would nearly have been fine, I think, a few years ago, but none of those are fine now. They're trying to eradicate it from the game. So as soon as it happened for me, I said, yeah, that's, that's red, you know, and, and it wasn't. There's still quite a few of those types of challenges going on at Rooks, though. This is, it, it's, if but not to back, the head, no, necessarily. No, yeah. maybe not to the head, but, but you know, lack of technique. So it, there, we still have a way to go to clear that side of things up, particularly at the Rook. People going off their feet and just using brute force because as soon as some players lock on, there's no moving them unless you give everything you have in your power to, to, to get your way through the collision. And that doesn't always happen from good technique. And but not he, showing he's a red just, card. But he's just thinking ferocity there for yeah. a long. He's just thinking, I'm going to, my size and, and, and power going through this impact will have too much for Clute. And he hasn't really taken into account where his head is versus where everything else is. He's just going in and, and clearing the space out and he happens to make contact with the head. So as a result of that, is it probably a red card? Yes, I think and it if is. If we want to eradicate that from the game. If you want to eradicate red, that, doesn't it? yeah, it does. It does. Um, James Lowe, Keith, I don't think we're probably going to end up arguing over this, but uh, it's an interesting one nonetheless. Um, sent off for making contact with Conway, who, who got into the air under a high ball. James Lowe never actually got airborne. I don't want to use the term take him, took him out because I don't think there was any malice or intent on James Lowe's part, but it's a red card every time, isn't it? Yeah, all day, I think. But can I just say there's, a, there's an element here on duty of care and duty of care. It's, it's, again, it's like a legal term almost to it. Um, I think there's times, if we just take away from that for a second, there's times last year, I, I remember when um, uh, Conway ran to make a big collision at full tilt. And the guy was on the ground, but he hit him and he ended up knocking himself out. He, he could nearly have been sent off for a lack of duty of care because he collided with his head off the other player's head. Now, those head-on-head -head tackles haven't really been gone or, or got out of the game. I know that the French are looking to try and get them out of the game. But when you're going at a million miles an hour, like, and this is, this is a huge difficulty in rugby. When you're going that fast... Have you, are you fully aware and cognizant of everything that's happening around you? And that's the difficulty. So, yes, it's a red card. I have an element of sympathy. Should he have jumped into the air? He should have, but maybe he was kind of waiting because he wasn't in the right position to jump into the air. Maybe he'd overrun that spot. You don't quite know. Um, but again, that is something that we have to get out of the game. We just can't, you just can't have contacts in the air where somebody gets flipped over like that. It, it just can't be allowed to happen. Whether there's... However just that is or not, we're in the space where we're trying to get rid of it. And if you look back at three or four years ago, an awful lot of those were happening far more often. They are not now happening as often. I get, Brian, that as Keith describes it, these things are happening at a million miles an hour. But could someone like James Lowe in that position do something to mitigate 
the potential consequences? At, at least get your arms onto him. It makes some kind of an effort to get him to ground. I think it's the it's the most clear cut out of all of them. I think it's absolutely a red card. And the reason that it's a red card is what happens to Andrew Conway. Mm-hmm. He lands down on his shoulder and his head, and. The only way you're going to stop players from doing that is by sending them off and outlawing that. Um, now the big thing most referees want is some form of competition in the air. If he, if he leaves the air at all and bumps Andrew Conway and he falls awkwardly, I think there's a, there's a, there's a good chance that he's, worst case scenario, is going to pick up as a yellow card for being careless or, um, or, or causing, you know, causing injury by, by or, well, that's a bad description. Let's just leave it a careless. Um, so if I, you get airborne, albeit get, lower if, than if, the guy who catches the ball, if you get the airborne, will you'll give, yeah, he will, he will think that you are trying to compete okay. and you are painting a picture to him that feels as though this is a f- fairish contest, right. um, provided you don't end up still flipping the player. If someone gets, you know, LeBron James gets, you know, six feet in the air and you still clip their legs, you're running the risk of, uh, of getting sent off if they land on their head and shoulder. But if you get up, the likelihood is too that you're not going to take the legs from underneath them if you get up in the air. There's going to be a body and body collision and worst case scenario, you're going to come down awkwardly on a hip or you know, on, on a leg um, and you're not going to come down and potentially do serious damage to your neck. And that is why they're outlawing that sort of challenge. And I think they're spot on and Frank Murphy got that one right for me. But how, on the furlong one we said, if you really want to eradicate this sort of a play from the game, that needs to be read. And I understand what you're saying on the low situation, but how does the situation change if the circumstances are the exact same in the future, if Lowe got sent off there? He's still going to find himself, maybe, as Keith said, maybe he's overstepped his mark, but, he's got there too five, late. Five metres out, five metres out, you've got a fair sense. You, they've got very good spatial awareness professional rugby players, you think Lowe particularly had a wingers. You know, you're, you're looking, you're able to calculate within reason as to the height of a ball and the distance and whether you're going to get there or not. Sometimes you'll get it wrong as as what happened and maybe he felt as as though, um, you know, I don't know what his view on it is, but he does not get out of the air. He knows in all likelihood that Andrew Conway is going to get up in the air. If he doesn't, he knows in his head there's a chance of him flipping him and it's exactly what happened. So what he has to do is as he's five metres out, he has to realise, I don't think I'm going to be able to stretch to get in the air myself. So I've got to pull, come off the gas and just allow him to, tack, to, to catch that, wait for him to, to hit the deck, and then I pulverise him. So that, that, they're the sort of thoughts that you have to be thinking in advance. And they are hundreds of a second, but I think wingers do it so much, you do it in practice so much, your, your spatial awareness and your timing gets very, very good. And I just think it was a very careless and loose one for, him, for a guy that competes for balls a lot mm-hmm. in, his, in his career. Um, he's been in that situation lots of times. He must have known that Andrew Conway was going to get up in the air. And, and you, if you don't make any effort at trying to get off the ground yourself and that happens, I think it's an easy decision for Frank Murphy. Keith, how much does consequence and outcome play on the referee's interpretation of these incidents? in that Conway comes down somewhere close to his head and his neck and it looks awful, particularly when you're looking at the replays where, you know, a fraction of a second earlier or later, Lowe's hit might have forced Conway onto his backside or his back or his hip and he gets up and he shrugs it off like Larmer did later in the game. There's no issue. And Lowe's committed the exact same offence, but he might get a yellow or just a penalty against him, whereas in this one he gets a red. Yeah, I mean, following on from Brian's even, I don't know 
like when you talk about spatial awareness, uh, like in the second you saw it, it was a red card. The second you saw it, he was in the wrong position. I couldn't figure out what he was doing, right? Um, when it comes to the idea of whether a guy lands on his neck or his shoulder, I don't even know if that should be part and parcel of the question. I, I really don't. We have to get rid of that out of the game. But it is part and parcel of it though, isn't it? Yeah. Like the referee's but, uh, human, like, human, you know, in, human but, instinct kicks in. But that only yeah, happens, uh, Keith, when, when players are flipped, when their legs get spun. So, enti so. Enti Entirely. So there is, there is, but we, like we've looked at it over the, the last period of time, and I don't know that there's an answer for this yet, right? So we've looked at it for the last period of time where people are, are going for the ball in the air together. And you say it's a fair contest and they kind of half fall together and they fall badly, blah, blah, blah. You can get hurt. Um, but I do think that's a fair contest. You can't go and say, I'm standing on the ground and I expect the ball to land into my hands when you know there's another guy going to jump like LeBron James to catch the ball in the air. You know, you can't use that as an excuse. Well, I, my eyes were on the ball. Well, you're not aware of what's happening around you. So uh, I just, it, it, it isn't exactly black and white. Because you can say, well, I've jumped up into the air, but I have no real chance of getting the ball. They're all variations or gradations on it. I think that makes it, it, makes it you know, too difficult. And I think after uh, two or three years ago, when they started getting rid of a load of these, um, and they stopped for a period of time, people stopped competing in the air enough until it kind of moved out of it. It has moved back in again over the last two or three months. And, but I don't know. I, like, look, I just thought that was a ludicrous challenge. I thought it was a red card all day long. I'm trying to think my way through how do you, how do you not get off the ground? Or have you run past the point? Like, what I, like, I, I don't actually know. But look, him landing, can I just say, and we just go on this again, we can't have a game where people fall from six feet and land on their head. That can't happen. Just can't happen. So whatever we can do to get that out of the game, it has to get out of the game. What, what I found really interesting in, in it all is his reaction. Lowe Low was flabbergasted he that was the colour was red. He was sent off. Uh, conversely, Tyg Furlong was very, very pleased to hear that he was getting a yellow card. He felt as though it was red. Kean Healy, I think, felt it was, it was yellow. Mm. I don't know about Scott Fardy. I, I personally don't think that one was, was a yellow card. I think if you're given yellow cards for that, it's... it's you know, we're going to be competing with very, very small numbers in games. So, um, but the but the reaction of the players does invariably say it all. And I, I just think Lowe has gotten that one so wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. We've been chatting for 20 minutes. and We haven't actually mentioned any of the rugby that was played at Thomond Park in this really interesting game. So Munster have won it. Um, it keeps them just ahead of Connacht and Ospreys in Conference A of the Guinness Pro 14. Keith, does the fact that they played so much of the game against 14 men make it more difficult to assess Munster's performance? How did you see their performance in that game? I thought elements of it were good, elements were poor. I thought they decided to take a conservative view, uh, kicking points instead of kicking into the corner, going for tries. Um, I felt they wanted to be in a position where they absolutely had to get the win. And I, f I feel that that win was of huge importance. And I think when you use that in the background for it, maybe that plays into it a little, that they were a bit conservative. Um, sometimes you just absolutely have to get it but I would have said for the last two or three weeks 
some of Munster's back play hasn't been quite as sharp as they'd like it to be. They haven't been as efficient uh, in the 22. So I think that's an issue. And um, whether it's down to the 14 players or 13 players, I'm not so sure. Um, I just I felt we were under pressure as a as a as a province. There were kind of that idea that Leinster are the big boys all the time and they have to get the win. Almost sometimes you can be afraid of losing and uh, rather than afraid of winning. And I feel that we were uh, as a province. It's been constantly hammered in that Leinster are the top dogs now. They are, and I think the win was all important. I still would rather see Munster be more efficient um, and more attacking minded at times. They don't have to be Leinster. They shouldn't be. Do they, do they, they have the same skill set, Keith? No. No. And is that why is that um, a reason why they, they cut their cloth a small bit on, on their um, on the type of game plan that they tend to go with? Because we, we, we know that historically they've been very good from from uh, driving lineouts, they scored a try at the weekend from it. You know they set very well. So why why would you stay steer away from what you've been good at? No, and I and I wouldn't steer away from it. I, I actually it's funny because when a lot of the criticism comes for the backs and the back line, I would say an awful lot of the um, the elements of things that Leinster have been doing for the last few years have been really really good integration of the forwards and the back line for pulling back for uh, dummy runs for good lines that go within it. Um, I think at times Munster under pressure reverts to one-out runners uh, a little bit too often. And Leinster do that too. And the All Blacks do it a lot. And Ireland do it from time to time. Um, but I, I think it just doesn't quite get that flow that um, I think the fans and I think Munster would like to see. And so they're happy enough because they get a win at the weekend and they beat uh, the guys there who are being lauded above them all the time. But in terms of the progression, I think it's part of the part of it, part of the story. But I wondered whether they would have gone and kicked into the corner. And that's nothing to do with back play. That would be actually to do playing into their strengths. Um, and uh, but I look, I'm, I think Munster will go out of that game and say, we're absolutely happy out. We've kept our discipline. Uh, uh, we've got the results. Uh, we didn't play at the best, but we still beat the European champions. And let that not cover over anything. But I think they'd be pretty happy. Okay, there's so much of your comments coming on Facebook and on Twitter. I wanted to talk to you about Carberry and his yep. performance off the kicking tee. Suffice to say, everyone's delighted to see yep. how he's backed up the um, the issues he had in cast. We expected it probably of him to go out and perform the way he did, but that's a huge confidence booster for him. Um, Aidan Murray on Facebook, Furlong's tackle, probably a red. But as he isn't a, a dirty player that old, he's not that type of player. Uh, excuse saved him from it we hear that so much in football Richard Topping on Facebook to that I think the Pro 14 refs are better quality than the Premiership Top 14s I'm not going to get you to answer that because we'd be here for an hour they're ref very differently that's all I'll Absolutely. say very very differently that is something I definitely want to come back to you on yeah. and you as well Keith on a, on a later uh, episode of Wednesday Night Rugby because it's a really interesting question from Richard Troy on YouTube are Leinster weaker than last year they've been a bit weak since Wasps and don't seem to have the same dominance as last year uh, Niall Keegan says there was only one call as soon as low Six yard out, not looking like he was going to jump. We all knew it was going to be red. Backs up exactly what you, you two lads have been saying. And Michael Ryan on Twitter, I say the behaviour of opposing teams against Munster shows a certain lack of belief in themselves. They know Munster will be physical and annoying, so they try to be that first. Great teams impose their game on you, not try to match your strength. That, is that doing Leinster a bit of a disservice there? Do Leinster bow to anybody? Do Leinster show a lack of belief 
in themselves against any opposition? I, yeah, I, I don't think this Leinster team, certainly not in the last 18 months, the way they've they've come on. I think the, the manner in which they can play, I don't think they fear anyone. I think the, the Munster aura over the last five or six years has, from where it was at the height of the you know, 2000s, so mm. the noughties, uh, has significantly diminished. And as a result, I think comes with a, a confidence playing against them and a, and a, and a great success rate. So uh, I don't know if I'd, if I'd agree with that. I think they just, um, to, to Keith's point, they were um, over aroused and, and they, they, they knew it needed to be a physical contest and they just got it wrong um, individually more so than as a collective. You know, three Fardy incident could have been yellow. And then, you know, the, the low red is a red and, and obviously the, the furlong and, and, and Healy. But they're not, they're just individuals making errors. And as a result, it, 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 it looks potentially worse than it is. Um, so. Okay, a word on Conor Keith, because um, they have beaten Ulster for the first time in three successive games, I think since the 1950s, which they're breaking all sorts of records at the moment. And there is something very encouraging, very promising happening under Andy Friend. Um, what did you make of them, um, particularly given how they bounced back to, they must have been sickened by what happened at the RDS. And to, to show such composure and uh, efficiency in their next game is, is a hugely encouraging sign for them going forward. Well, I thought it was an extraordinary result on the back of it because they were heartbroken leaving Dublin and for having been so close, for having um, done something we talked about the, the previous week, we just didn't think it was even on the cards. And uh, I have to say I like the way Connacht are playing and I would be a little bit fearful for uh, Munster at the weekend. Um, I feel they are more balanced and I don't think they have as good a team as they had when, when, when they won the tournament a couple of years ago. Um, but I feel they're more balanced. I feel uh, their play isn't all or nothing. I think they have a way to do both and um, to play with the forwards and spread it in the backs better. I think the skills that they learned in Pat, under Pat Lamb's time has been very beneficial to them, but I think they have a better game management now than they had then. And uh, I just, it's taken a bit of time, but I think Friend has done a really good job. And um, I you know, I think they are, they're a pretty serious team at the moment and they've shown that over the last two weeks. Yeah, Ospreys losing to Dragons obviously did kind of the massive favour. Yeah. And given that, you know, man for man, they'll be less decimated by the, uh, the Six Nations coming upon us than the other provinces. They're in a really good spot, aren't they? They are, yeah. I've been very, very impressed with them from early on. I think there's, there's different aspects to their game. I agree with Keith. I don't think they're as player by player, they're as good as, as, as the team under um, Pat Lamb, but I think they're a better team. Um, I think there's more cohesion. Uh, I've been very impressed with their launch play of scrum and line out. Um, they, you know, they have, um, they, they have the same you know, backs more, more or less, but guys like Tom Farrell has been outstanding for them. Um, they've got a real cutting edge in their back line. I think Bundy has been brilliant. Some players play internationally and then go back to their province and vanish or, or go back to their team and, and don't produce. He, he's doing it for both teams in green. So um, I've been very, very impressed with, um, with how they've gone about their business and just built scores as well. I think Jack Carthy has, had a, a, a re has really grown into the season as well. He controlled things well. He, he used to blow a bit hot and cold in, in previous seasons, but I think he's got a, a, a much more consistent streak to him this year, um, kicking goals. So 
um, yeah, I, I think they um, are right in the hunt for, for qualification for Europe next year, of course. Okay, brilliant stuff, lads. We probably could have gone on for another hour, but uh, we didn't even mention the uh, the games that are coming up. Keith, you mentioned the fact that it's going to be Munster taking on Connacht. That'll be a really interesting one this weekend. That's on uh, at 7.35 on January 5th. Leinster hosting Ulster at the same evening at the RDS at quarter past five. Keith, thanks a million. We'll chat to you again soon. Cheers, gents. Brian, thanks very much. Cheers. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. 